Dr. Michael Roizen. Dr. Michael Roizen. You, the Owner's Manual Radio Show. You're listening to You, the Owner's Manual Radio Podcast and Radio MD iHeart or wherever you download us from. Thank you very much for doing it. We have a wonderful guest today, Congressman Adam Smith's journey back from chronic pain and crippling anxiety entitled Lost and Broken. That's the name of the book, Lost and Broken. And you'll see why he isn't lost and broken. And we need him to not be lost and broken since he is the senior minority person, that is the senior Democrat on the Armed Forces Service Committee. You're still on that, correct? I am, yes. I was, the, I was the chair for four years while we were in the majority, and now I'm the ranking Democrat on the House Armed Services Committee. And obviously, that has a major role in his story as well, and we'll get to that in a second. We have brought to you, as usual, by Life's First Naturals, lifesfirstnaturals.com, the makers of both True Biotics and bovine colostrum. You can go to their website, lifefirstnaturals.com, to see the randomized control trials and why I believe taking both of those can help most people with their longevity. There are randomized controlled trials, and you'll see on preventing, for example, upper respiratory illness or even leaky gut after vigorous exercise. And of course, our own website, longevityplaybook.com, on how you can live younger, longer, and help, in fact, decrease the costs of medical care in America by living longer and younger. Congressman Smith, I'm curious, and I'm going to ask a couple questions about Lost and Broken that I didn't see in reading this, but there may be embedded in it, so I apologize if I missed it. But one of the things is that People who are very important, like yourself, congressmen, intimidate their physicians and intimidate their caregivers. So, for example, when I started taking care of Oprah, I always had another physician with me so that she would not overcome my recommendations with her statements. That's true. I I just took care of the six people yesterday who are the family of a president of another country. I always try and have another physician with me when we're doing VIPs because the VIP by themselves tend to intimidate at least me and and usually when I've talked to other physicians, almost one-on-one any physician. Do you think that played a role in the difficulty of your getting appropriate care? I don't know for sure. I, I will say I'm a member of Congress. That's a decent job. A House member, been doing it for a while. I'm certainly not Oprah Winfrey, so I don't know that I rose to that level in conversations. But sure, I think every individual who comes in, you know, maybe you're not a very open and expressive person and the doctor is trying to get information out of you. Maybe you talk too much. Maybe you go off in a whole bunch of different directions and the doctor has to try to pull you back. So maybe as they're talking to me and thinking about, well, gosh, this is a member of Congress. What's he going to think about healthcare policy? I never got that impression, but I don't know. I'd have to ask my providers to see. I do know that in many instances, communication was a problem. It was hard for me to understand what was being said to me. And I got the feeling that providers weren't really listening clearly to what I was saying. Not always. I mean, I I dealt with, gosh, as I document in the book, a lot of different providers. This is hard. It's not necessarily because the doctors were bad or they weren't paying attention. 
it is difficult to diagnose and treat chronic pain and mental illness. It, it just is. And that's part of what I try to explain in my book is you really have to be aware of that and understand that you're going to have to work at it and you're going to need help. Most politicians write books because they're going to run for a higher office. Clearly, that wasn't your focus here. At least I didn't get that. This book, I think, is meaningful even to members of the armed forces, obviously, who have a lot of chronic pain and obviously go through a lot of stress in their, what I would call their their day job. But the point is, it doesn't seem to me, and, and you can tell me, yes, I am going to run for higher office, but it seemed to me that this is a book really to help people rather than to help you. Absolutely. I mean, I wrote the book because I came to realize while I was going through this, the sheer number of people who are suffering from some combination of anxiety, depression, or chronic pain. You know, I just got into a lot of conversations about that as I was working my way through my own journey. And I felt that if I gave an account of how I had approached it, it could offer some helpful guideposts for others in similar situations. And also because I am a public figure as a member of Congress, it would give me a greater opportunity to participate in that debate and to open up the debate and have that conversation. And I didn't write the book as, you know, here's the path, here's what you need to do and everything will be fine. No, it's just sort of, a, a like I said, guideposts for some ideas for how you should pursue trying to find a path to getting better. And no, I'm not running for president. So <laughs> just to make that clear. One of the interesting things, most interesting things about chronic pain that I've come across, I ran, before I ran the Wellness Institute, the Cleveland Clinic, I ran executive health, I ran anesthesia, critical care, pain management, and executive health. And one of the things, and, and you probably know Cleveland Clinic's a huge organization. Absolutely, yes. And one of the things that we started doing was what we call shared medical appointments. We did this with chronic pain patients. And what impressed me, I was blown away actually by it. These were patients who largely had chronic pain for more than five years and severe pain, much as described in your book. What surprised me is in the first two weeks, all we did was teach them stress management and food choices that decreased inflammation and 60% of their pain was gone. I was just blown away by that. The book talks a lot about the interaction or the interplay between pain and anxiety and depression. It's the only book I've ever seen with an executive summary that was written about a medical topic. So if people want to get the summary of this, they can get the book and really quickly get a executive summary. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a couple of pieces there. And what's not in the executive summary is along the lines of what you said. What is the relationship between mental illness like depression and anxiety and pain? And there is a distinct relationship. And I think your experience with your patients in terms of how that played out. I mean, to begin with, when you're in pain and you're not sure if it's ever going to go away or if you're going to figure it out, that alone contributes to anxiety, which then contributes to the pain, and you get into that cycle. So when you meet with your patients, just helping them mentally to 
get a path, get an idea of where they're going can help enormously. Also, as you know far better than I, there's a lot of documentation out there that buried emotions that trigger anxiety and can trigger depression also can trigger pain. Pain doesn't work in the simple way that most people think of it. Certainly not in the way I think of it. Like, you know, you bang your knee on the coffee table, you hurt. And you hurt because something happened to your knee. It goes through the brain and it works its way down. It's how your body perceives the situation. It's a whole bunch of different things. So certainly, you know, getting an anxiety problem or a depression problem under control can relieve pain. But it also can be the case, as it was in mine, I had both mental and physical problems. You know, my pain was not simply caused by the anxiety. I had, you know, knee surgery when I was a kid. I never properly rehabbed it. My body got all bent out of shape. I had impinged hips. There was a lot of things to work through on that. So it was both. So it's not as simple as saying, you know, if you have pain, it must be a mental thing. It can be a lot of different things, but you have to put all of those things on the table and take that comprehensive look at it. The thing that ultimately helped me on the pain side was muscle activation therapy something that we're just beginning to understand and that some physical therapists do and some don't. Now, the details of that matter. The muscle activation techniques people who I found who went through my body and determined that because of all these things, my muscle groups had shut down. They were not working the way they were supposed to. We should just mention that in Lost and Broken, the last chapters on muscle, act, or I think the last chapters on muscle act. One of the last, not the last one. One of the last chapters is is on muscle activation therapy. Yeah, which I recommend. And in the book, if, if you want to better understand it, Google muscle activation techniques. There are a lot of different people who are getting into the idea that you need to stimulate muscles in addition to making them stronger and more flexible. And basically, you stimulate muscles by poking them. Okay, but where you poke them and how matters. So the details do matter. And the muscle activation techniques, people have gotten into that. But yeah, there's, there's a very strong intersection between mental illness and chronic pain. And we're still working to understand that. But that can many times be a key part of how you can reduce the pain of somebody experiencing it. Now, one of the things in your role as on the... Uh Armed Forces Sur Service Committee, Armed Forces... Armed Services Committee, HASC, as we call it, the House Armed Services Committee. One of the things on the House Armed Services Committee is obviously a lot of veterans have chronic pain due to their both their injuries. And, and by the way, just so all of our listeners are clear, someone who has something as simple as medial meniscus surgery or anterior cruciate ligament surgery at age 20 has a 50% likelihood of having chronic pain in that joint by age 50. So 20 years, 20 to 30 years, 50% presence of chronic pain in that area. So having had surgery on your knee when you were younger clearly would, would do something. So what have you done or how did you, how have you approached this on the committee as far as, and, and does the committee have jurisdiction over veterans affairs? It may not, it may just be active. We don't. Now there's a veterans affairs committee, but look, I work closely with the military and what I've really focused on, frankly, is on the mental health side. 
and post-traumatic stress. Because what I sort of learned, you know, going through figuring out, okay, why do I have this chronic anxiety is there's really sort of three steps to that process. And in my case, they kept trying to start the third step. The third step would be cognitive behavioral therapy, but you got to get through the first two. And for the purposes of PTSD, it's that second one, which has to do with dealing with trauma in your life that can be crucial. And a lot of advancements have been made recently in understanding that if you've experienced trauma at some point in your life that you have not properly processed, it can trigger anxiety and depression. And the key to it is to sort of open that up and actually experience the trauma and properly process it. And there are a number of techniques. EMDR is one that is used. There's also a new thing, which is called ETM, which are kind of designed to rewire how your brain looks at that trauma. And they've had made enormous progress. There's also some preliminary stuff on some medications that can help you open up to that experience. But the basic principle is you have to deal with it. And what we tend to try to do is we bury it. I hate thinking about that. It's a terrible memory, but it's there. So that's what we've, I've worked a lot with veterans and also active duty military. And we do have jurisdiction over the active duty military and their health care. So that's a huge part of it. And then, yeah, on the chronic pain side, and I can't emphasize enough the muscle stuff because you talk about, you know, if you do a surgery, that's going to make that part of your body more vulnerable. And my body from my knee to my hips was kind of vulnerable in a variety of different ways. But if your muscles are working properly, the human body is the most magnificent machine ever devised. And if those muscles are working, they'll protect a joint that's a problem, you know, or if your hip, your knee, or any, once those muscles are working, and that's what's happened for me. You know, I, I am in less pain than I've been in probably since I was 18 years old. Yeah, let me go and reemphasize that. The muscles above and below the joint by strengthening them protect the joint. They serve as shock absorbers for the joint. Not just strengthening them activating them. And I know this sounds a little bizarre, but muscles shut down. When I go in and see the muscle activation therapist, and I still see him every couple of months, he will test. There are 43 distinct muscle patterns in your body. Those are the 43 patterns that govern just about every movement, well, govern every movement that you make. And they test those muscles individually, those patterns individually. And if that pattern is shut down, even against the most gentle pressure, you cannot resist. The muscle literally won't turn on, okay? If you're like checking a shoulder muscle, okay, put your shoulder up here. Now I'm going to push down to go bleh. And then they restart it. They restart it now with a electric pulse. They put a little pad on. They found the frequency that restarts the muscle, restarts the muscle, and then boom, it's working. So it's not a matter of strength. It's a matter of the muscle actually being turned on or turned off. I know it sounds weird. Look into it. It makes an enormous difference in reducing pain. Yeah, it may be that people who chronically strengthen it have activation of it. So that may be part of it. But in any case, I am fairly unaware of MAT until I read that one of the last chapters in your book. I will certainly look into it. We've always, at least in the practice here by, and it may be the physical therapist by strengthening it, figure out how to activate it in a different way than electrical stimulation. I do it by massage. A lot, I mean, in fact, my guy did it by massage until about three years ago. 
when they discovered how the electric pulse can work. They did it by manual manipulation. You know, but you got to manipulate the right part of the, the body and know what you're targeting. Who should read the book Lost and Broken? Should all of us be reading it? Is it a book for people without pain? Is it a book just for people with pain? Is it a book for family members? Who would you say should benefit from it? I think it can benefit everybody. Most specifically, it will benefit anyone who is suffering from a mental illness or chronic pain, or if you know someone, if you have a family member or a friend or someone who has confided in you that you're trying to help. I think it really gives you a perspective on what those people are going through. But more broadly, when it comes to both mental and physical pain, prevention matters. Okay. And I can read through, go back to my own history and see how I didn't do basic maintenance on the mental health side. I didn't understand the warning signs when they happened. I mean, this hit me the first, well, I had a bout of depression when I was 25 years old. I didn't even know what it was. It went away. I didn't think about it after that. And then I had anxiety when I was 40. And then the anxiety came back eight years after that and wouldn't go away. It didn't just happen. So there were things I could have been doing throughout my life to better understand how my mind was working. So I think basic maintenance on that. And then in terms of your body, again, I didn't, it didn't become debilitating until 2014. I mean, I had my back hurt. Everyone's got back pain, right? You know, my knee hurt, my foot hurt. I had little things here and there. You tweak muscles all the time. That's just life. Okay. It is to a certain extent, but you can also do things in terms of your physical health and your mental health to put you in a better position not to experience those severe symptoms. So personally, we all got a mind, we all got a body. I think anyone could benefit from this. And also, there's a lot of stuff I don't know. I mean, this is my story. If I think a lot of people can read that and go, yeah, okay, but what about this? You know, I think it can help grow the understanding as people add their own perspectives and their own experiences. Yeah. I, the way you describe who the book is for and, and the writing in the book means that it really is for anyone who has chronic pain or anyone who knows someone with it or a mental condition, illness, if you will, or who hasn't dealt with a major stress in their life. I think that's actually one of the take-homes I have from the book. And the point is that that's virtually all of us. The book is called Lost and Broken. Now, I'd be derelict if I didn't ask you a political question as well. So if you were going to bet on who will be the candidates in the 2024 presidential race, who do you think will be the candidates? And you, you're allowed to be unconventional. Fair enough. That's more of a pundit question. I always like to say, as a, I'm a politician, I, I don't predict, I affect. So, you know, I, I work to support candidates and work to support policies. But look, I mean, if I had to bet, I'd bet. And, you know, it's not going to be unconventional. Trump and Biden, I think they are the ones that are clearly leading in both parties. And look, I, I get the whole thing. Oh my gosh, we've seen that before. But leadership isn't like a movie. It's not like, ah, I haven't, I've seen that one before. I don't want to see it again. I get it, but experience matters. Qualifications matter. Obviously, I'm a Democrat, so you know I'm supporting President Biden. But look, you know, we've got, what, five months now until the first caucus and the first primary. There's a lot that can happen between now and then. You know, of course, President Trump's got all the indictments to deal with. They're both, relatively speaking, old, I think 80 and 78 years old. So, I mean, a lot can happen. But right now, if 
I was a betting man, I'd bet Trump and Biden will be the two major party nominees. Well, a sure thing is helping people with pain with Lost and Broken. Thank you very much for coming on. The book, again, is Lost and Broken. Our sponsors are LifeFirstNaturals.com and LongevityPlaybook.com. Two things, two places that you can go to help you live younger, longer. Thank you very much, Congressman Adam Smith from Washington. I should ask you one more question. Do you have someone running against you in 2024? You're up again, right? Yeah, I am. Not yet, but yeah, we don't file out here until May. So I have never been unopposed, and I, I don't expect to be unopposed this time. But I, I love competition, and I believe in democracy. So I look forward to whatever challenge comes. Well, hopefully we will continue to have a democracy in the United States, no matter what challenge comes. The book is Lost and Broken, My Journey Back from Chronic Pain and Crippling Anxiety. Congressman Adam Smith is the author. It's available on Amazon and hopefully your local independent bookstore as well. It's a book by Health Communications and is available in Canada as well. Thanks very much, Congressman Smith, but especially thank our sponsors, but more importantly, thank you, our listeners. 50,000 of you a week can't be all wrong. Come back next week. We have great guests lined up, as well as the latest medical news of the week and what it means for you. We'll be back next week. Hope you are.